Welcome to the Film the Hero show where we share, define, and discuss the principles that model filling life. I'm your host, Dustin Duenas, and today we are missing Salvador Cisneros, but uh, he will be back. Uh, today I am in- interviewing Bethany Anderson, and this should be a fun one. Um, let me break into her bio. Bethany Anderson is an author, artist, worship leader, writer, speaker, and global citizen having called France, Switzerland, South Africa, Australia, and England home. Bethany currently lives in McKinney, Mm -hmm. Texas, where she was born and raised and works as a freelance artist and ministry leader in her local church and with Royal Corporation. She has a heart for social justice issues, empowering women, and championing millennials. She is passionate about prayer, spiritual formation, and life as an adventure with God. Bethany loves speaking in accents, feasting on chips and salsa, and traveling the world as much as possible. And uh, yeah, I'd like to introduce Bethany Anderson. You can say hi now. Hi, <laughs> hi everybody. All that stuff's true as well. I love speaking in accents. <laughs> accents. I. That that is absolutely true. It's half the <laughs> half of what I've heard out of Bethany yeah, on true. this this trip out here in West Virginia. Right. So we will break into it since we are tight on time. Cool. So that's a good thing. So uh, my first question, what was your childhood like growing up in McKinney, Texas? Oh man, Um, first word that comes to mind is just full of fun and adventure and laughter and um, like the word boredom wasn't allowed in my household. Like my mom, if you said, I'm bored, she'd either say, I'll give you something bored to be about, something (laughs) (laughs) something to be bored about, or she would say, I hope you find something to do. So, like, for example, she would send me outside with a bucket of water and a paintbrush and tell me to paint the sidewalk, which is brilliant because you paint the sidewalk in Texas. I did. Did you really? Yeah, I did. And she'd be like, go paint the house, and she'd give me water and a paintbrush. And in Texas, it dries in, like, 30 seconds in the summer. I would sit out there for hours. Hours. Really? Yeah. Um, And we just always, like, my parents are very spontaneous and impulsive and... We would just like load up in the car and go to the beach, which was 10 hours from where we lived. Or That is um, spontaneous. <laughs> my brothers and I would just, I don't know. I was always doing something. I was making up a language. My friend and I had a language that we spoke. We, it was called Speakalish. Speakalish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was awesome. I mean, it was kind of a middle America upbringing. Small town at that point, maybe 45,000 people. And now it's 180. So it's very different. Wow, now. that's a lot of growth. So is there anything yeah. specific that maybe from that town shaped you to who you are? You know, I think so. Um, McKinney was a small town and now it's one of the fastest growing cities of its size in the nation. And um, we were a very close-knit community. Everybody knew everybody. Um, there was several churches in town that, um, you know, every, everybody just kind of knew everybody. My parents were high school sweethearts and grew up in McKinney mm-hmm. and just had a lot of family history and legacy there. And that was made me very much a community person. Um, I love people and I love that I could go down the street and like know the neighbor or you know we could be out playing until dark and the neighbors would be like hey your kids are on the way home they call my parents your kids are on the way home or whatever um, just really kind of small town America not as small as the town that we're in right now by yes. the way but um, <laughs> which is like small. maybe maybe a thousand people I don't know but yeah with such a I guess a, a small town mentality you know, we're growing up in a small town like that. What led you to travel the way that you did? Oh, good question. Um, from the time that I was a little girl, I was enamored with Paris. And I always said I was going to live in Paris. And 
I really blame my flair for international things on my dad because my dad and my grandfather had um, their own business where they exported transport trailers and containers like the big propane trucks that you see. They exported those internationally and they worked with a company in Belgium. Um, And my dad and grandfather traveled all the time. Like my dad would go overseas and every time he'd go overseas, he'd bring me back a doll that was international. Uh, you know, from that place, yeah. and um, I had a collection of international dolls. You know, other kids collected. I did actually collected international stamps as well. But from a young age, I always had this kind of view of life of like, hey, I think the world is bigger than McKinney, Texas. And um, my mom, when I was in high school, was a travel agent. Um, and so they just like what they were interested in propelled me to be interested in other cultures and other nations. My dad actually did business school out at Thunderbird in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was an international business school. All his classmates were internationals. Um, And so he really, that legacy of being interested in the world came from my parents and my grandparents. What, um, so what, what places exactly did you go and what, what experiences were the most valuable. What what advice would you give to your younger self preparing to do this or, or maybe having those conversations in your own head of whether you should go explore or not? Because I'm sure... Mm-hmm. Was there any fear? I mean, was there... Um, honestly, I wouldn't say there's fear. I've always been really independent. Um, I tell this a lot. Like, my older brother, I remember he moved away. After college, he moved to Colorado to work at a ski resort. And... I remember the first time I moved over to, over to France. So I was 23. Um, I had been out of college for about a year, and he wrote me this note. It was like a goodbye letter, and he was like, you know, I don't know why you're so brave. Um, like, I could never go overseas, but I think you'll be homesick, and you'll want to come home. And I, I really wasn't that homesick. I mean, I was, but I wasn't. Um, and it was only years later that I realized that the reason that I was so brave is that he made me brave because we would go... I was, he was two years older than me and we'd go to like a theme park and he would make me ride the roller coaster first and make sure that he, that I didn't die and so then he would get on it. Or we would go like um, do something at a lake and he'd be like, Bethany, you have to go first. Um, he always made me do stuff first. And then he, later he's like, why are you so brave? And I'm like, it's your fault because you fault. weren't. And so <laughs> um, it's not that he wasn't, but he just, yeah, he made me do stuff. So, um, Sorry. Uh, am I interrupting? I was called out here to play soccer. Well, thank you. So, audience, yeah, this is Brandon Heideman, and he uh, he will be a uh, future interviewee. <laughs> but it's all good. It's a lot of fun avoiding or maneuvering around the obstacles, especially the ugly ones. I'm going to be on this podcast. <laughs> that was Brandon, everyone. You'll meet him later. You will meet him later. Um, so what kind of advice would you have for yourself in that position of you know, preparing to take on mm. the world, the world outside of McKinney. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, man, I think we so often, it takes us so long, and by us I mean people in adolescence into adulthood, to figure out that it's not worth it trying to pretend. and. Um, just to like chase after what you want and figure out what's in your heart. I feel like it's taken me a long time to listen to myself um, and to listen to what's in my gut and what's in my spirit um, and the way that I was, like the dreams and stuff in my heart. And um, 
that was always encouraged and empowered in my childhood. I, I, I lived in a very creative household, and there was a lot of humor and laughter and adventure and costumes and colorful. I mean, I was involved in everything you can imagine um, activity-wise. But I don't know. I, just, I, I think culturally I didn't feel the freedom to dream as much as I'm a dreamer. Um, and so I would go back and tell myself that um, it doesn't matter what other people think and what they expect of you. Like, you're not meant to fit in a box. You're not meant to wear a label across your forehead. Um, and I say that because when I was 18 years old, I remember I was graduating, and in my church, like, little fellowship group, our leader said, hey, where do you picture yourself in 10 years? I'm like, okay, I'm 18. I'm going to be 28. So I remember what I wrote down, which was, I want to be living in a house with a white picket fence with 2.5 kids and being married and have a dog and a cat and really all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Like your response right <laughs> yeah, there is what my response should have been. And, and it's funny because I remember I wrote it down and when I wrote it down, I just felt like I was filling in the blanks of what the people in my life expected of me. Not my family, to be clear, but the people around me that I just... I've always been outside the box and yeah. marched to the beat of my own drum, but I've also always been really aware of what other people think, or at least what I think they think. And I just, the older I get, the more I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, do what's in your heart, you know? And chase after that to whatever extent that takes you. you know? A lot of it's about comfort. I mean, the traditional mm. view of the house to white picket fence is about safety and comfort and yeah. being okay, but maybe never, never great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always aim for that, and you'll be you'll be good. Everything will be mm-hmm. good. But that's a good point. I never thought about it that way because like safety is not a a big priority in my life. That sounds weird to say in the world that we live in now, but like mm-hmm. I've always been a risk taker. And I, I've found that being uncomfortable in lots of situations is the greatest opportunity to learn and the most exciting. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you're uncomfortable in a situation something's going off your head like all right i gotta figure out something that's true like i've got to learn something to make this okay and that's saying hey i'm gonna learn and that's cool if you're always okay if you're always safe then life is learning and growing yeah Yeah, i mean what i figure when you're when you're uncomfortable i always ask i feel like there's a really good question to ask in those seasons whether you're uncomfortable or whether you're um you know experiencing something that's unexpected is just to say like for me personally the question I ask myself is what is God saying to me through this situation what's he trying to teach me what's he trying to show me what can I learn from this instead of going down a road where you overanalyze everything yeah. and think you know or whatever like I, I try to take a step back and go okay this is uncomfortable for a reason or this is hard for a reason or this is unexpected for a reason God what are you trying to teach me because yes. you can always grow and learn yeah regardless I with that same mindset I like to think that you can't lose Right, exactly. And there's literally no way to lose. It doesn't matter what happens in the outside world, but if you're if you're focused on growing, you're not yeah. gonna lose. You're gonna come out with something every single time, yeah. and it's cool. Uh, on the topic of your faith, uh, I was curious what part that that plays in your life, and when that became something that was, you know, a big part. Mm, I guess. Also, yeah, no, another good question. Um, I think I grew up in the church and was raised in a Christian family, but um, you know. It was only in my early 20s when I had moved to France, and um, I had been in France for three weeks. I was living with a family that didn't have a belief system, really, um, and 
uh, my cousin was killed in a car accident and um, I talked to my parents and it was my first cousin he was two years younger than me our family was pretty close and so that was a major blow um, but I remember my parents very wisely which didn't feel wise at the time were like we don't want you to come home because you won't go back and stay committed to what you committed to. I'd committed to six months to be an au pair, a nanny for a family there in France. And um, that was a really hard place to be in. I was all alone in a foreign country. My French was okay, but it wasn't, you know, awesome at that point. I hadn't found a church family. I really didn't have anybody. I came in the middle of the summer where there was a lot of people. It was hard to meet people at that point. Um, and I remember I was running up the stairs on the day that I found out and I tripped up the staircase and I fell flat on my face like on the stair landing and I started sobbing and like throwing my fist and pounding on the ground like I was like literally throwing a, a temper tantrum like a toddler would and I was like why is this happening I didn't understand it was like so painful all the emotions not not, not yes the death of my cousin but also just like the cross-cultural stuff I was experiencing for the first time living abroad and I felt like in that moment God said to me, um, he said, you can turn your face towards me and I'll turn mine towards you and I'll be your best friend and I'll show you what that looks like. Or you can turn your back on me and you can walk away and you can go sow your wild oats and do what you want to do. It's your choice. And I remember just like in this pit of despair just saying, God, I don't know what it looks like to have you as my friend, but that's what I want. Because I've never really been taught that. Like I, I had had a relationship with God from the from seven years old onwards and I was really involved in my church and my youth group but I never thought of the fact that God would be my friend and that he would never leave me alone and that right there was what I call a paradigm shift and actually it's something that I write about in my book it's the chapter called um, paradigm shift and is that moment was the catalyst for everything else that happened in my life yeah, you know yeah, because I made the choice, and, and I... Made the choice. Yeah, I did, and I jumped into my faith at that point, and I, I studied, and I started reading the Bible more, and I came involved in worshiply. I mean, it literally took off, and that from that moment forward is where I got opportunities to serve in ministries in different countries, and just, like, there's a story out of that later that, you know, over, over the um, evolution of those years, I came up with sort of a life mission statement out of those, those processes, but that moment right there was the catalyst i like that i've i've noticed in that you know all these interviews with elite people or talking to the elite people in your own community a lot of them all of them have a moment of making that decision mm. that time that it really clicked and uh it's cool to hear that something like that happened for you because recently for me i went i've gone through that where i mm. felt that there were things i was going after and I felt strong about, mm -hmm. but um, it just, I didn't feel like I had made that decision or that it was really defined. Um, but recently, it it just hit me mm. where I, that was my kind of motto is I made the decision and yeah. that's just going through my mind constantly. Uh, and it's, it's really committed me to, to changing. Mm. Uh, it takes that, exactly, it like takes that thing sometimes to like, catch your attention and send you in another direction that's really key um so with your faith and with traveling you did write a book full of stories that explained all of that so yeah. could you tell us the title of that and a little bit about what it's about you don't yeah. want to spoil it for everyone yeah exactly you don't want to spoil it um no the book is called kiss my fish um tales of chasing god around the world and 
Um, it's really just a collection of stories of my life and travels, people that I met. Um, and really every story is a metaphor for faith. Um, I, I like to describe it as, um, you know, in a lot of children's fables, it's like there's the moral the sto- yeah. story is. That's kind of what I do is I take these stories and I, I weave them into these moments of revelation about who God is or um, or things that I feel like he's speaking. Um, and so the whole reason that I wrote the book, talking about we, you and I were having a conversation offline about why, why you know, yeah. why do you write mm-hmm. stuff? Or I mean, sorry, why do you do what you do? For me, like every time God put it in my heart years ago to write a book, and um, when I was an au pair, I chronicled my crazy things that happened to me. I always tell people I'm a magnet for chaos because stories happen to me. I collect stories everywhere I go. Um, And so I would write those stories and send them out on an email and I would have people collect them and bind them up and send them to me and be like, you need to write a book someday. Um, And so that's where the thought was planted. But all that to say, as I prayed about why I was writing, God always just said, write for hope. And so the whole purpose of the book is that you would walk away and feel inspired and full of hope just by reading the stories and seeing just a glimpse of who God is through the lives of people um, in all sorts of different places and situations. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I am yet to really get a chance to dive into it, yeah. but I am excited. So thank you for the copy that you gave yeah. me and your signature. No, that's so, awesome. Uh, I'm excited. That, that is cool. I, w- I will say there are stories that are really funny, and then there's stories that are really sad, and then everything in between. So it's a... It's, that's intentional. I like to people. I like to make people laugh, and sometimes I you like know, to make people cry. Yeah, so. well, I think that, that widens your audience a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's. I'm glad you brought up uh, purpose, because mm. um, that that was going to be part of the question, and it's cool to see that your faith and you know the you, you have those reasons why. And that's what drove you to accomplish a book because it, mm-hmm. it did take a lot of work, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was oh, it was a seven-year process. Yeah, seven, yeah, seven years. A seven-year internal battle. Like it wasn't like I love writing. Writing wasn't hard. It was the sitting down and fighting every distraction out there to write. So how did that, that go? How did those seven years go? Um, I, I when I was in Bible, co- I was at Bible college in, at um, Hillsong in Australia in 2009, 2011. God really, really planted like, or the seeds were planted when I was in Switzerland back in the early 2000s um, about writing the book. But I went home from Australia saying I'm going to write a book. Everyone's like, "What are you going to do?" I'm like, "I'm going home to write a book." Well, I then moved to England, and that's a different story. And I, I kept finding myself in situations where I kept saying oh, well, I'll write a book and do this. And I, I kept compromising what I felt like God was asking me to do, actually, which was write the book. Um, and so I found myself in a season for a long time of compromise with different jobs and trying to write the book. Anyway, I quit um, a mission job that I was working in the, at the end of 2015 and sat down. And for six months, I worked for my dad part-time. And then I had three writing days a week. And my goal was to write either one story or 1500 words a day. Um, and you and I've talked a little bit about goals. I, I sat down in January of that year and made very specific big goals. And the goal was to finish my book by June 1st. And again, I've been battling it for six and a half years at that point. Um, but I made very specific, tangible goals and, um, I did, I wrote three days a week and I would like be like, Nope, can't do that today. I'm writing. Can't do that today. I'm writing. Um, and got it finished um, that June. Um, it took a whole other year for me to get it published because in my goal setting, I didn't even think, I was like, oh shoot, what happens after, I, oh, it's written. And then I, friends would be like, well, is that all that you're supposed to do? Like you have to publish it. So I self-published oh. it in December. 
um, on ebook, and then it's now on Amazon um, as of April in the hardback. And um, it was a hard process, but oh, so freeing and so releasing to see the accomplishment of a massive dream. Yes, Fulfilled that's cool. Yes. Like that. Fulfilled, so, yes. Keyword there. Yes, very key. That is that's cool. And um, is that so? What what did you learn about uh, you know goal setting and the process of achieving? you know, with that, or did, did that affect the way you attack goals now? Mm. Uh, or h- how do you do that? I think one of the one of the biggest revelations I had at that time was that creative people, creative people have a rap for being like airy-fairy and don't get anything done and blah, blah, blah you know, all over the yeah. place, whatever. Creative people are some of the most productive, structured people. In order for a creative person to produce, they have to be structured. Yes. Um, and that was a huge revelation that I had because I'd kind of put myself in this like airy fairy category. But I'm actually a very structured kind of personality. Um, and um, I just learned that like, for me, I'm visual. So I the key for me was like, okay, these are my goals. Great. If I wrote it down somewhere, awesome. But I'm gonna forget about it. So I framed them and yeah. put them on my wall. I think the other key thing was that I had a space that I would go to to write. Um, and then there was other times when I'd just be like, hey, I got five minutes. I'm waiting on somebody to pick me up or go do something. I'm going to write. I'm going to um, call it a, I remember hearing a sermon about this when I was at Bible college, calling it dream squeezing. So instead of, you know, you're waiting on somebody to come pick you up or you've got 10 minutes spare. Instead, it was just like, oh, I'm just going to do this, whatever. Use that towards your goals. Yeah. Be like, I can use 10 minutes. I can write for 10 minutes right here. I can brainstorm on my cover art. I can do whatever. Um, and just being really intentional. Yeah, being intentional about it. And that's something I had to learn over time because I, um, I've, I try to be as intentional as possible with things that I do, but that's been a journey. So So this, this structured part of, or this organization that you have now, was that, that was something learned versus something that you've always had? Or did you kind of, did you realize that that was something that that was, you know, part of your identity or part of who you were was, being structured um I think both I mean I'm structured I always tell people that I'm structured that so that I can be spontaneous because I think if you ask a lot of people they would tell you that I'm spontaneous but I'm structured so that I know when I can be spontaneous but I'll tell you this very key thing um that January when I started writing my book the one practical thing that changed my life is I created this giant excel spreadsheet that gave me a word count I, I, I formatted this whole thing and I just, it, it was out of a need for structure and something to fill in as so that I could keep up with my goals. So I would have a, a story title there. I would have a page count. I would have um, the theme quote that I used in my story. I would have a, a small summary about what the story was about. And then on the other side of it, I would have a total of how many words I was writing a day. Um, how many stories I had cut out, how many edits, like it was this, if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. But for me, that kept me online. And so like I would wake up on my writing day and instead of going, oh, I'm supposed to write today, what should I write about? I would open my spreadsheet and go, great. I haven't written a story about France yet. These are my options of stories. I'm gonna write this one and it's about this. I also had a bunch of index cards that I hung on a wall that helped me visually just see what story I'd written or what stories. My goal was to have like 33 stories in the book and I don't even know how I came to that number, but I like the number 33, so. Well, that's cool, have you ever taught, yeah. have you ever taught anyone how to do that? No, 
I haven't, but um, I have a friend who, the girl that came into my life to help me actually get my book published, because I just needed a kick in the butt, basically, <laughs> and she called me one day, she's like, I feel like God wants me to help you publish your book, and I was like, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> yes. come alongside me. She did, and I've shared that um, spreadsheet with her, because she's going to start doing that for other people, and I mean, I don't, it's not like copyrighted or anything, yeah. I just, I was like, it worked for me, and it saved my life, basically, in this process. Well, that's so. cool, I mean, that, but that something that can probably help a lot of people. Oh yeah, totally. Cause uh, I know a lot of people who want to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That, that consider. Yeah. Consider teaching that think, one. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> good idea. Good that's idea. That's really Dustin. a good idea. Such a smart guy. <laughs> um, anyways, since we're running out of time here, how can users connect with you and where can they purchase your book? Okay. So if you go to uh, Amazon and you type in the letter J for my first name is Julia. So it's J Bethany Anderson is my author name. Um, or you can just is, type would in. Would you prefer to go by Julia? No, that's my whole life. I've yeah. gone by Bethany. Okay. That's a long story. My brothers, we all have J first names. We all go by our middle <laughs> names. I say my parents are Christian hippies, blah, blah, blah. Um, so if you just type in Kiss My Fish um, or J Bethany Anderson, you'll be able to find it. It's on ebook. It's also on paperback. Um, my website is jbethanyanderson.com. Um, I've got a Facebook page, Instagram. It's all under the J. Bethany Anderson name. And your, um, your tweets? You my tweets. tweets there um, too, or is that, they might you be You know, old, my tweets are actually uh, just under <laughs> Bethany Anderson, but um, you it, should be able to find that from site, all though, my, yeah, it's, yes. it should be all from my webpage. Cool. And my art, I have an Etsy, um, we didn't talk much about this, but I, I do like commissioned art pieces as well. Um, and my Etsy site is all, you can, you can track me down from my website as you probably know. Wow. Yes, I so. did not know about the Etsy stuff. Oh, yeah, that's, that's on there. So under my artist is, page, I do have it. Really it's called cool. Glory Be Creative is the Etsy site. So. Cool. It's um, really colorful, loud paintings. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one last question for you. Okay. If, um, if fulfillment in life was defined by three pieces, what three pieces would they be? Ooh, whoa. Or I mean, even if you, maybe if you got to go one, but if you can if you can pull out three, let's go for three. Oh, man. Um... I think knowing your life purpose is is one, like getting a good feel for that and to go with that. Like I personally believe that that can only come through a relationship with God yeah. um, because he created us and he gives us purpose. So I'm kind of saying it backwards, like knowing your life purpose, which comes through God, but that starts with connecting with God first. Yeah, your faith. Um, and I would say that those three things are really key to uh, having a fulfilled life. Starting with, starting with who started it all, you know, because yeah. he created you for a purpose and he knows. So it's just digging in with him and seeing where he takes you with that. Uh, that is, that's cool. And that's our, that's our one question to make sure we tie that's in great. with fulfillment. You, got, you asked it, everyone <laughs> who listens to this. Oh my gosh. Dustin asked great question. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, well, Thank you for this interview. Thank it, you. It has been fun. So fun. We've, we've done this with a, a good view. Hey, it's also Firefly yes, Hour, it's firefly um, which hour. means it's 830 to 930 here in West Virginia, and all the fireflies come out. Yes, and that also means that we are very tight on time. But um, anyways, again, thank you. And um, Sal, I know you're going to listen to this. Missy Man, love you. I uh, can't wait to have you back on here. We're looking forward to it. And uh, for all the listeners out there, uh, remember that fulfillment isn't given, it's achieved by choices. Right. Peace yeah. out. <laughs>